Right now, we have another candidate on the line with us at WBAI. He is Larry Sharp. He is the Libertarian nominee for governor. Mr. Sharp, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette alongside Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. So for uh, for voters and listeners of this program, uh, why don't you take a few seconds and introduce yourself, your background, uh, not necessarily jumping into your platform quite yet, but but who you are. and You don't your, like my platform no, already. No, we want to get into that. We want to get into <laughs> all sorts of details there. But pace ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, but tell us a little, tell listeners a little bit about yourself. 100%. I am born in Manhattan. I am adopted. I was then brought to the South Bronx, which is where I was raised as a little kid in the 70s. My mom was a waitress and worked in a bank, and my father was a corrections officer at Rikers Island. Um, when we got a little bit uh, old, around 11, we moved out to Suffolk County, and that's where I grew up as a teenager. My father passed away when I was 12, and obviously it was hard for me, as anybody else who's lost a, a parent at a young age. I ran off to join the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old. I was in the Marines for about six or seven years, about six and a half years. When I came back, my mom was in trouble. She was. Uh, she couldn't handle my father's death, and she couldn't handle me leaving. And she was initially addicted to legal drugs and eventually illegal drugs. And she was a victim of the drug war. And she was in prison. And I pulled her out of prison, tried to get her back up and running. Saw how hard it was for her to, you know, have a job, maintain a job. And when she had a job, she was a hostage to that job because. You know, if she was afraid if she lost that job, there'd be no job for her. So I didn't like that. I didn't like my mom being a hostage, so I did something about it. I started a small business, and I made her the boss. So she and my step-pop uh, together uh, owned the business, and I ran it with them. It was a trucking business. We ran that business for several years until I got up and running. I then left. They ran that business, and she ran that business until she retired. And when she retired, she did what too many New Yorkers do. She packed up and left. She went to South Carolina. And that's where she passed away. I went off to have a couple other jobs, then another business. That business did not do well. I sold that one off. And then this business now that I have, I've been doing this for 14 years. I'm a trainer, consultant, teacher, executive, also a coach. I actually have been, uh, I have larger clients like Estee Lauder and Models and smaller clients like small law firms and IT firms. I've been a teacher at uh, John Jay and Baruch. And I've also been a guest instructor at the graduate level of both Yale and Columbia. And right now I do this. I am on, I'm doing everything I can to try to become governor of New York because this state's in a death spiral and I want to change it. I'm the one outsider who can make that happen. So you are a libertarian and that's a <laughs> word that we, we hear every few years at election time. And it's uh, I hear it a lot more. <laughs> right, I'm sure you do. So <laughs> define that for us. What is a libertarian? What does it mean for you to be a libertarian? Look, libertarian is the only answer here in New York State because a libertarian is someone who says you can be as conservative or as liberal as you want to be. Just don't force others to be like that. It says law, understanding what law is, law means that if you don't do something, at the end of every law is a guy or a gal with a gun who, if you don't do what they tell you, they will put you in a prison, and if you don't want to go into that prison, they will shoot you. That means that law is only used when it's really important. When there is death or loss of limb or loss of property or loss of health, then you use law. But not because you're doing something that I don't like. Not just that in New York State, it means not having one city, whether that city's Albany or, or New York, whatever city, run the entire state. We are a very massive, beautiful, diverse state. And that means each county should be each county and each region should be its region. Rochester is not New York City. 
North Country is not Southern Tier, Long Island is not Western New York. And we should respect each region for the beauty that it actually has. So what are, what are the types of things that come down from the state that you think each county or region or city should should be allowed to decide for itself? Well, look, there are, there are many things. As a general rule, I want to break away as many unfunded mandates as I possibly can, right? I want to actually make education. I want to make sure that our Board of Regents does not have anywhere near as much power as it has right now. We have a bunch of things that come back both from Albany and come from D.C. An example of that is, why do we have standardized testing prior to high school? There should be no standardized testing prior to high school. Standardized testing is an unfair way of grading teachers. It's an unfair way of grading schools. And it makes kids who are 10, 11, 12 years old feel like they're dumb because they can't take tests well. We're creating a second-class level of student. Now, if we do that, what happens? If we actually ended that, which is what I want to do, several things will happen. Number one, we'll wind up losing uh, Common Core, which I'm fine with. Common Core is a disaster anyway. People think about getting rid of it already. I'm in. Let it go away. If you're an educator, you know that sometimes it's okay to use Common Core. I actually am the only person who says, let teachers teach, and then I don't add administrators. His Majesty King Andrew right now, his entire plan is getting non-teachers to teach current teachers how to teach better. That's an embarrassment. I can't believe any teacher would support His Majesty. What a horrible, horrible idea. Did I give you a one good one? Is that good? Yeah, I think on the education front, uh, that makes sense, good. I'm sure, to, to us and listeners about decentralizing some of the uh, education policy making. Sure. Absolutely. Part of that, of course, is that education policy from the state includes, as you mentioned, policy directives and standards. It also includes a lot of a lot of money. Uh, and yes. I'm wondering, what also would the budget of a sharp government look like? Where would the cuts be? What would we not have um, yeah, if you're I the if that. you're in charge? That's a great question. Here's what we will do. We would actually make a big shift that would make many people happy. As I said, once you get rid of standardized testing, you, of course, the federal government will be upset and would try to punish us and take away money. And they would. The budget right now is about $60 billion overall. $4 billion is federal funds. That would go away. Now, when that goes away, you go, oh, my God, the world's ending. Not yet. Let me tell you how we don't make the world end. Number one, when those $4 billion go away, also so, so do all of those strings, all those administrators that are sitting there, you know, doing grants to the federal government, doing grants granted this and covering this and checking this box and checking that box. We actually have right now districts where there are more administrators than our teachers. The average teacher in New York State makes about $80,000 as an average. The average administrator makes over six figures. You could easily let some of these administrators go. You let some of these administrators go, now what can you do? Teachers will have more freedom, but not just that. Teachers could get raises or hire more teachers or do things that a local district could do. This goes back to my not having Albany decide what they do. The individual districts could do what they feel is appropriate as long as they are transparent. That is a key piece. They must be transparent. But I'm still not done. I don't even want to go K through 12. I want to go K through 10. Why? The last two years for too many of our kids is gym, study hall, smoking weed, and playing video games. How do I know that? Because when we go off to college, most of the time, it is 13th grade. You can check out all the studies, ask anybody who's been there. Our kids are not ready for college. It takes about six years for the average kid to graduate college. We should be ashamed of that if they even graduate. Our graduation rates are horrible. So I want us to go to 10th grade. At that point, stop. Take a test. You pass your test. There's your high school diploma. What happens next? Every kid at 16 has five options. Option one, you think college is right for you? 
Awesome. Go to a prep school. Go to a prep school that gets you ready for your college of your choice. Are you going to go off to a biology, history, English? What are you going to do? Two years, prep school, awesome. Not right for you? You're that brilliant kid that can take an SAT and go to college right away. You're going to be a scientist. Awesome. Take two years, get an associate's degree. Now you're 18, ready to rock and roll, do great stuff. Well, you don't want to do that? No worries. Go to a trade school. We are struggling in this state for trades. The trades, the trades in this school, in this state are being destroyed. The average trades person in this state is 50 years old. That's a problem. I love my 50-year-olds. I'm 50. I would like to, the average to be 30, 35. How about that? We're struggling to get the trades and fill them in this state. Why don't we instead encourage them? You don't like that? Go get a job. Just go start working. Learn a work ethic. Again, we have a problem with a bunch of 20-somethings who don't feel like adults. You make a mistake at 16, the price for failure is almost nothing compared to the price of failure at 26. Huge difference. I want our 20-somethings ready to rock and roll. I want a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid to know that when the boss says show up at 8, it doesn't mean 9.30. It means 7.45. They can learn that at 16, 17. I don't know how many bosses I hear consistently tell me the same thing. I will hire anybody with a work ethic. This is what we have to work on in our schools. Now, of course, your, your question is, well, Larry, how do we pay for it? I got you. Here's how we pay for it. I said I spent time in the Marine Corps. I'm a Marine. When I got in the Marine Corps, they gave me a GI Bill. They said, here's X dollars and Y years to use it. We do the same thing. We say, you're 16. The state has money waiting for you. It's got $20,000 waiting for you. That you can do whatever you want. You got seven years to use it. Good luck. Why? Because the Constitution tells us that we have to pay for first to 12th grade. So it's there if you want to use it. Go ahead. Here's what I promise you. I promise you a bunch of prep schools will pop up. Guess how much they're going to cost for two years? Yeah, $20,000. All of a sudden, not just that, we're going to have trade schools pop up. $20,000. That's going to begin to pop up all over the state. How do I know that? Because banks are going to give loans because it's guaranteed state money. That's how the game is played. So, we know it's going to happen. But hold on. Hold on a second. Go ahead. Now, what you're saying is, great, that sounds good. We spend $22,000 per kid per year. Twenty-two k. And His Majesty is proud of that, and we're ranked 37th in the country. He should be ashamed of that. But here we go. We're going to do that. In my, in my case here, 11th and 12th grade costs us $10,000 per kid. That's a $12,000 per kid savings. There's about 400,000 11th and 12th graders. That's far more than $4 billion. So what did I just do? I replaced all of the federal money plus more and provided uh, a surplus and allow local school districts to get rid of unnecessary administrators. All of that happened without one extra taxpayer dollar. That is an interesting proposal and definitely on the campaign trail. And as we do these interviews, we're looking for new and interesting ideas. So uh, it's good to hear you come on with uh, with your revamp of education plan. Uh, you're listening sure. to Larry Sharp, the Libertarian candidate for governor. I'm Maxim Murphy here on WBAI. If you'd like to call in to ask Mr. Sharp a question, the phone number is 347 335 one eight. Uh, it's our first time talking with you, but I try to keep up on you know some of your other appearances and hear what the candidates are talking about. A lot of um, what I hear you talk about and what I see written up about your appearances is that, is that you seem to have a pretty significant focus on uh, gun control issues, and that is in the direction of reducing restrictions on gun ownership. Uh, can you explain why that seems to be such a such a focus for you? I don't think it's such a focus. I think it is one focus. Absolutely. 
absolutely. I have many focuses, and that is absolutely one. The SAFE Act is my focus. The average person does not understand how bad the SAFE Act is. The average person thinks the SAFE Act makes us safer. It doesn't. What the SAFE Act did was it literally made millions of New Yorkers criminals overnight. Millions of New Yorkers who purchased their firearms legally, who purchased them thinking that they were absolutely doing everything right, overnight they are literally violent felons. But not just that. The SAFE Act also makes our medical community part of a secret state police, which means our medical community now has to report on people if anything even comes close to being any trouble whatsoever. It's the red flag idea. And literally this type of thing happens. Some guy comes into an emergency room because they were in a car accident. Um, they say, how are you feeling? He goes, oh, my God, I'm in so much pain. I want to die. Somebody writes suicidal. And the next day, the state police come to that person's house, and they take their property, property that was legally purchased. This person isn't a, 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 a threat to anybody. The person had a car accident. That kind of thing happens. But here's the part that bothers me personally even more. This affects veterans more than anybody else. Why? As a percentage, veterans will own firearms more than non-veterans, and veterans also have, uh, have uh, more uh, PTSD than non-veterans. And they're a community. They know that if they go and they say, I need some help, I need some medicine, I need some therapy, help me out, that there's a high chance that all of a sudden they get reported. When they get reported... Veterans are also much higher than the average population in, in suicide rates, though. That is correct. We lose about 100 and some odd Americans every day to suicide. We lose about 22 who are veterans, and veterans are about 10% of our population. So they're about twice as likely to commit suicide. Yes, so when we need them most, the SAFE Act comes out and makes sure that they won't get help. They're already struggling to get help. They already don't want to get help. This makes it just harder. Not just that, it creates a black market. It creates a black market, why? Now there's a black market in ammunition in New York State. That's because of the SAFE Act, because no one wants to report. Not just that, there's a black market in actual firearms in New York State. Why? Because no one wants to report. So now that it's actually harder for law enforcement to do their job. Law enforcement does not want to enforce the SAFE Act. Just ask them. They don't want to. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible law. It needs to go away. And by 2020, I will make sure that it gets repealed. Let's it take a, a call. Idea. Let's take a call for Larry Sharp. Hi, you're on WBAI. What's your question? Hi, uh, Mr. Sh- Hi, uh, Candidate Sharp. Yeah, I just want to ask a question. Do you believe in worker-run, democratically-run companies, you know, from below? Okay, thank uh, you. Of, uh, of course, yes. It, look, how someone wants to run their business is completely up to them. And I think if you want to have worker-run or if you want to have uh, co-ops, of course you should. Why in the world should the gov- should government be involved in that? You should run your business the way you want. And this even includes what you hear, the tip credit, right? You hear the governor trying to, to force uh, getting rid of the tip credit. What a terrible idea. Why in the world would I, as a governor, tell someone who's running a business how they should run their business? Worker owned or not, worker run or not, that's not my place. The person who should be running that business is that business owner. The people who should be deciding how they get paid are the actual workers. What's actually happening as you begin to push this is the smaller businesses are going to get pushed out. In my entire campaign, if you watch what I do, I am constantly spending time in small businesses. And what do you see in the larger businesses or in the franchises or in the chain stores? You see kiosks. You see self-checkout. Everywhere, kiosks, self 
self-checkout, kiosk, self-checkout. What is that? That's defense against this. Because when this happens and this becomes the norm, if you don't have machines, you can't afford labor. And your labor is going to go away, and that means all of the small businesses go under. And no one is talking about that. If you just look around, you see it. Kiosks are replacing humans, and you're saying we don't have jobs. And now you want to create this idea that we're now you, you can't even get tips? What a horrible idea. We have another a horrible idea for us. And another a call idea for, in general. Sorry, Mr. Sharp, we have another call for you. Hi, you're on Go WBAI. Go ahead with your question for Larry Sharp. Hi, uh, I really like your proposal for revamping education and the school system. Uh, I was mm-hmm. just wondering with that $20,000, uh, I guess, student version of the GI Bill, is, would you have anything in place to make sure the prep schools and the trade schools that you're saying will pop up would only charge 20000 Because that's not how it works with college and government loans right now. Yeah, not at all. I, I would not. They can charge whatever they want. But guess what? If they want to charge a bunch of money, then all the, all the person is going to have is 20000 so it's not going to work. They're going to have to have an option for 20000 If they want to have higher-end options, of course they could if they wanted to, but they need to have a $20,000 option. As long as they have that option, it's fine. If you want to spend more money, and that's what happens now, by the way, right? Now you find with the current system in New York State, particularly New York City, you find many kids who do well have tutors. It's very common. You see, the TV, you see a commercial on TV for them. People bring them to their homes. Lots of people are tutors. So if a parent wants to spend more money, on their child, of course you may, it's your money, right? So you may go to other other programs that a school may have. So the school would have to have the $20,000 program, which would be mandated by the state, but they could have extra programs if they wanted to. And if you wanted to pay more, you could, of course. Mr. Sharp, I want to go back to the gun issue for a second, because you, you mentioned sure. at the top of our interview just how vast and beautiful and varied the state is, you know, from yes. upstate regions that are quite rural to the downstate areas that are, that are quite different from that. And I'm curious, in the part of your platform that talks about reforming carry laws, you say mm-hmm. that uh, an individual who legally obtains a firearm should be able to transport it legally anywhere in the state as long as it's locked and unloaded. That Correct. would seem to imply that New York City, which has much stricter gun laws, than the rest of the state, partly because of its very different setting and history, Mm -hmm. that it would be, to some degree, handcuffed to abide by a statewide standard that would, in in effect, kind of undermine those local laws. Is that the implication there? Yes, that that is 100% accurate. The fact that New York State decides that you bring your property into that city and they can put you in jail, yeah, I'm totally I'm totally okay with saying New York City, you may not put someone in jail because they bring their property into your city. Yeah, totally okay with that. 100%. Yes, you should. No one should go to jail because they bring a legally owned firearm into a, a county in New York State that is again two things: locked and unloaded. If those two things are true, why are you going to their stuff and putting them in jail? It's their property. They're not pulling it out and shooting anybody. They're not even drawing it. It's in their trunk. Why in the world would you put them in jail? 100% yes. So in our last couple minutes here, I wanted to ask you uh, at least one more issue. That's that's the MTA. Uh, if you're elected governor or even just in the yep. course of this campaign, what can you tell listeners? Obviously, a, a major campaign issue that uh, people want to hear gubernatorial candidates talk about. What, what is your proposal about how to get the MTA turned around? I am the only person with a real plan for the MTA. Every candidate says that. (laughs) No, no, no. Their plans are fund or invest. Fund or invest means they're going to tax you more. Like, imagine you said it's 50-50. Tax you more. 
The Republican says, I don't know what the hell he says. It doesn't even matter. It's, it's useless. He, he, he doesn't matter. The point here is I have an actual plan that would do two things. Number one, why in the world are we not using other ways of raising money? Right now, the budget for the MTA is about $16 billion. We drop $6 billion out of the state because they're so bad at what they do. And then all we do is give them a money? No. They will get no extra money from me whatsoever. Instead, I will provide ways for them to make more money, and I will, I will break up the MTA the way it is now and put, it, put in charge people who are responsible. So number one, we're going to use our freight lines. We have lines right now in the MTA that cross about six, what, I think it's ten different counties going to Long Island upstate. There are a bunch of lines that aren't being used at all at night. Why aren't they freight lines? These should be freight lines bringing freight into New York City. Freight forwarders will pay us for that. They will help take care of the actual maintenance. And on top of that, there'll be less truck traffic in the city at night, less wear and tear on our infrastructure. That is an awesome idea. It will raise money and will not cost us any more extra money at all. On top of that, the MTA itself has nine bridges and tunnels. Why in the world are we taking some of those bridges and tunnels and leasing naming rights to those bridges? I'm saying leasing naming rights to the Tribal Bridge. Why do we call it the JFK Bridge? Why are we calling it the, the Ed Koch Bridge? How about we call it the Verizon Bridge or the Sprint Bridge? They'll easily drop $50 million for that bridge, easily. They dropped $20 million for uh, a stadium that's used on the weekends. This is a bridge that's mentioned hundreds of times every single day during rush hour. Hundreds of times. You do that, plus it's a 16 million metro area. They will easily drop money for that. How do I know that? I got bankers in Manhattan already asking me about it. That will actually be done. And here's the best part. Once you do that, we still own it. All they do is lease naming rights, which means we inspect it. Right now, bridges and tunnels collapse in New York, in New York State, all across the state. But now we have this. If they don't fix the bridge that we want to, we, they lose the contract. That becomes part of the actual deal. Not just that. If they're paying for it, no tolls. How about not paying 12, 15 bucks to cross a bridge in this, in this city anymore? That will raise a bunch of money. The MTA will have three ways of making money. Freight, using its infrastructure with leasing naming rights for marketing. And on top of that, actually spending money as in I swipe my card to get on, on an MTA um, a train or bus. Okay. You do that, now they have an opportunity to actually raise money and there'll be no extra taxation and we'll have an actually better MTA. Well, Larry Sharp libertarian candidate for governor. We're going to have to leave it there. We appreciate you coming on and all the energy and enthusiasm you brought to the show. Uh, we'll see you on the campaign trail and maybe chat with you again before election day. Thanks a lot. Sounds good, guys. Have a good night. Take care. Thank you. So uh, we're coming toward the end of another edition of Max and Murphy. We heard from Keith Wofford, Republican candidate for attorney general. We heard from Larry Sharp, the libertarian candidate for governor. We've also heard, as Ben mentioned earlier, Mark Molinaro, Republican running for governor, Stephanie Miner from the Serve America movement. Uh, and we have a, an invitation out to Governor Cuomo. Sure. And we've heard from Howie Hawkins. And Howie yeah. Hawkins as well. So I think, Ben, uh, a very energetic, as you said, uh, proposed proposals, some, some well-thought-out proposals, obviously ways that we might critique them or, or differ from them, but but a contrast to anyone we've heard from so far. I mean, this is one of the good things when you have a variety of candidates from a variety of parties in a race. You sometimes get some interesting ideas and, and proposals, and there might be some things in, in Larry Sharp's agenda that seem a little more far-fetched than others, some that seem more realistic, but this is clearly a candidate who's thought through a bunch of things and has put some ideas on the table and it's less 
of some of we get in some typical races um, where either ideas sound similar or candidates don't even really want to talk about ideas. They want to talk about things they've done in the past or they want to criticize their opponents and put out negative attack ads. We're seeing a lot of that between Cuomo and Molinaro. So it's somewhat refreshing. And, you know, Larry Sharp's candidacy obviously hasn't taken off. Uh, the most recent poll that was released, he was at about 2%, but that doesn't mean he's not adding some valuable things to the race. And uh, it would be interesting to see certainly the candidates on the same stage for a debate. So the most valuable thing you can add to the race voters is to participate. Remember that Friday is your deadline to register between uh, now and our next show. Press your candidates to agree to public debates. Check out GothamGazette.com and CityLimits.org. And make sure you listen next Wednesday to Max and Murphy right here on WBAI 99.5, listener-sponsored, non-commercial radio. Four weeks to go. Thanks for tuning in. 